0: To have the uh, the cool weather, and so I've been looking at the weather. These storms were coming in this morning early, and I was up like ah, some ridiculous two thirty or something like that. And uh, I was looking at the weather real quick, and because well, about five o'clock started thundering, and I would, I uh, I did go back to sleep a little bit. I hadn't been up since two thirty, so uh, but. Uh, and boy down Arkansas man it was red and yellow and boy that radar was really popping. And I was like, "Lord, we don't want, we can set the tent up tomorrow again, but I really don't want to." And uh, it just kind of fizzled out and we got a beautiful rain. And thank the Lord for that. So tomorrow's only going to be like 77 for a high. Saturday or Tuesday in the 80s. We don't hit 90 again till Friday. So I'm looking forward to that and Friday after the last meeting is the night that we have ice cream. so yeah. works out just right. Judy's going to be there. she's excited. We're having Andy's. It's not just ice cream, it's not ice cream, it's custard. it's Andy's frozen custard. so and uh, anyway, I hope you are making plans for that and you ought to be there uh, all week and uh, it's if you've most of you how many is how many have never heard Brother J.D Weedow preach? How many has ever really oh. You are in for a treat. He is a blessing. He's Actually, he was just up in Piedmont, I think. Yeah, just not too long, like a few weeks ago or something. He was just over there. And so, you missed it, but now you get a whole week. So, there you go. <laughs> and But uh, be praying for Brother Weido. He'll be up here on tomorrow. Be driving up from, he's about two hours south of Little Rock. So, about a six-hour drive. So, be praying for him as he comes on up and... I think the weather in the evening is going to be nice. It's supposed to be dry. We'll see what happens. And uh, so we're looking forward to that. Monday morning, uh, the, they're going to start putting the floors in the, our building over here. The the wood floor, the laminate floors are going in and all that fun stuff. And the chairs are ordered. They should be here, they said, 14 to 20 days. Uh, looking forward to that. So that will be all. The uh, bathrooms have been redone. They're just waiting for the floors to be put in and uh, so we can put all the toilets and stuff back in it. And everything's painted. Doors are in. I mean, we've got some doors to paint. It's getting there. So I'm still praying for September 3rd. Yes, sir? Okay. Well, no. we'll be praying about that. Probably why it's only going to be 70 tomorrow. Probably a big. Oh, no, I know what you mean, brother. <laughs> My hands are still hurting from hammering yesterday, and uh, I always, no, I I work all the time. It's weird. I'm like, why, this shouldn't happen, but it was a different type of hammering, you know. And we uh, hit, uh, me and Martin on one side, we hit this, uh, well, it's rock, We're only about a, about a foot down, And then we're watching these other guys on their other side, and they're just hammering right through them. Like wow, their one end was really bad, and then they got easy. And our end was, our side was pretty rocky. And so Martin, you probably won't see him, you probably won't hear him for a couple weeks. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, all right. Um, So a lot to pray about. Speaking of prayer, message. We're on message number 8 here in Ephesians on our armor, and we're going to look at actually prayer today. And uh, last week we were issued our sword, and what is our sword? It's the Word of God, amen. It's the Word of God. Micah pointed something out to me last week, and it made me so happy. I said, I am so glad you pointed that out to me, and uh, he, he, of course, you know, he has a great collection of swords for some weird unknown reason. I don't want to ask, but he likes swords. And he told me that swords could be up to a year's salary back in the medieval times, in this, and then our Bible time, could be up to a year's salary to afford a sword. And he said the really high end swords, like maybe what a king would have, right, or somebody in that, could be up to five years of a salary to purchase a sword. So he said, the average peasant never could own a sword. And then he said this. He said, and we're all peasants, and our sword's free. I said, man, I like that. Thank you for telling me that. And it's more powerful and more sharper than any two-edged sword, right? And I was—I was that just made me happy. And uh, he said, that's why I was smiling when you started to say that, because he was thinking all that through. And that's great. See what happens when you do just things that... Odd things that nobody does, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's a lot of people that I'm sure have swords. My, Miss Sherry has hatchets. Don't ask why, but uh, she has this little throwing hatchets and throwing knives. I anyway. So there's an application there, I'm sure. So anyway, so we've been issued the Word of God, and we're thankful for that. It is powerful, and uh, we saw last week, you know, Jesus. Of course, he wasn't going to allow Satan to tempt him by turning the bread, the rocks into bread, or jumping off the pinnacle of the temple, or bowing down and, and worshiping Satan so he could have all of the kingdoms of the world, right? He didn't do that. What he did is he spoke the Word of God. It is written, it is written, it is written, and he took off, and right? And we saw last week, why did he do that? Well, one. Of the, I think a great thought on that subject is because although Jesus could have turned the rocks into bread and he could have jumped off the pinnacle of the temple and been fine. Uh, we can't, right? He, he, I mean, could he have proven who he was and Satan would have flee? flee? No, well, no, he wouldn't, but we can't do that. But he, di- he did do what we can do. He used the sword, the same sword that we have access to. And this is just one of the ways that we resist the devil. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So it's the resisting that causes him to run. But sometimes you got to face it, we're just not that good at using our sword. Guys practice that, right? Back in the old days, they, they practice. Maybe Micah can explain that to me a little later on the whole practicing of wielding a sword. Those guys that do fencing, you're right. On guard. And they start, you all this stuff. And that's training and time and all sorts of things. But we're just not that good at our sword sometimes. Sometimes we're distracted. Sometimes we're just too tired. Sometimes we're too weak. Sometimes we just don't have the skill in the word to be accurate with it. And I want to look at this today. Like any weapon you're issued, you really need to know how to use it. When I was taking my, oh, man, that's been several years ago, I took the NRA course for my concealed carry. And uh, one of the things they do is they take you out to a target and you've got to uh, you got to fire off 50 rounds into a target and to see how you do and you've got to have a certain percentage of the those 50 rounds within, uh, the, within the target, right. In, in a good range and a good, uh, in a good place to, for them to say, okay, you know how to use that weapon pretty well. And while you're there taking the, you know, firing off your rounds, the instructor may be there and he might help you to be a little more familiar with your weapon. He might show you how to hold it. You know, some guys hold it this way with one arm over the other one. He may show you how to stand. He might show you how to, uh, pull the trigger, right? Well, don't pull squeeze, you know, a little things like that. He might show you how to aim and stuff like that. He's instructing you on how to be skilled with your weapon, right? See, if you're not skilled with that, you you might have that weapon. And I'm telling you what, if you're not skilled with it and somebody comes into your house, you might want to put it down. Just get a shotgun with buckshot and just scatter the whole room. You know, you don't have to aim with that dude, right? As much as you do. But boy, if you've got a, if you've got a rifle, if you've got a, if you've got a sidearm, if you've got a semi-automatic, if you're shooting at a deer, you know, 100 y- yards off, you, I mean, you want to get skilled in that thing, right? You don't want to just blow antlers off and watch them run away. That's no fun, right? And um, so. And when you finally do get it, you don't want to mount them because the rack looks weird. It's like, where'd all those antlers go? Don't ask. And so you want to be skilled in your weapon, right? You want to be skilled. And so uh, uh, we've been we've been issued our weapon, but we need to know how to use it. And the Apostle Paul here is going to show us where it is that we become skilled in the Word of God. Where it is, I, I, I mean, we automatically know one, one aspect of it. If the sword is the Word of God, you got to know the Word of God, right? But there's another aspect here. About being skilled in the Word of God. And I want to look at this. Look at verse 17 and 18. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Now I want you to notice something here. There is a punctuation here uh, that is between verses 17, verse 17 and verse 18. How many know what that punctuation is? Look at the end of 17. What do you see there after the word God? You see a colon. A colon. What is the colon in grammar? Not in your body, in grammar. <laughs> what does it do? Right? It illustrates, Yeah, have it explains. It illustrates or it amplifies the information that came before it. So, what's before the colon? Verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Okay? One English book said it this way think of it, think of the colon as a flashing arrow that points to the information following it. So, what, what does it say after the colon? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So verse 18 is the explanation of verse 17. Okay, Verse 18 explains how it is we take the helmet of salvation the sword of Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's going to explain this. It's going to lay it out. Does this mean that prayer is the sword. You see this? It's illustrating the sword of the Spirit and the thing Paul uses to illustrate or to amplify what the sword of the Spirit is, he it's, he's explaining it by using the weapon of prayer. So is prayer the sword? No. Prayer is not the sword. We know what the sword is, right? The sword's the Word of God, right? The sword's the Word of God. But listen, prayer connects us Not just to the weapon, but watch, watch, watch. It connects us to the one who owns the weapon. It connects us to the one who instructs us with the weapon. It connects us to the one, the Holy Spirit of God, who is our instructor and teacher and guide in the Word of God. Prayer connects us to the instructor. Just as if I was aiming at that target and firing off those rounds. The instructor standing behind me and going, nope, you're holding wrong. No, you're holding too tightly. No, you're pulling, not squeezing, because your rounds are going this way and not this way. I mean, he could be sitting there the whole time instructing me as I go. And I want to show you how here we are connected through prayer. Notice what it says here. Praying always... Look, see this, praying always with all prayer and supplication. That word praying, it is a verb, it is an action word. And so we're talking about the act, the actual act of praying. And you see here, praying what? Praying always. I know this seems very basic, but that word always is denoting a fixed position. A fixed position in place, a fixed position in time or in state. It's 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 kind of a relation of rest. You are you are staying right here in an attitude of prayer. I like what one person said. I I don't really not a end, great endorser of, of C. L. Lewis, uh, C. S. Lewis, uh, but uh, no offense to the name Lewis at all over here. But uh, but uh, C. S. Lewis did did say have a good thing he said when he said prayer prayer is like breathing. You almost do it subconsciously when you are in a place, right, in a relationship of prayer. It's just, it's like second nature, right? You don't have to stop and go, hold on, let me find my closet. Hold on, let me pull off the road. Hold on, I got to, there are times for that, absolutely. Absolutely. But I'm telling you, you know, he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. It is a daily, every hour of the day uh, attitude and a place and an action and a place of fixed position of prayer. And so Paul starts out by saying that the one who picks up the sword needs to be in a fixed position of prayer. Right? They need to be continually connected to the instructor, right? You know, some of the greatest golfers, the greatest golfers. I mean, the Nicholsons and the Tiger Woods and and uh, players and Stewart and all these guys. Every one of them had instructors. They were pros. They were multi-millionaires. I mean, these guys were the best of the best, but they still had, uh, they had uh, instructors for their swing. They had instructors for all different things. And watch this. Now, in this world, right, which is not, isn't about us, but in this world here, the golf world, those instructors were not as good of golfers as the ones they were instructing. Right? Why? Because they didn't have the same physical body. They didn't have the same mind. I mean, some of these golfers, they just obviously, they're the whole package. But listen, some, as an instructor, could observe and know the mechanics of it all and say, oh, move this. Oh, do that. Oh, do this. But they still may not be the best instructor. Watch, we have an instructor who is also God. He is the best instructor we could ever have. He would never be uh, deficient in any way uh, uh, compared to us. And this is our instructor, right? Notice this here, right? Notice this. He he is instructing us with all prayer. Because this is kind of interesting because Paul started out with the word praying, praying, praying. But now we get to the word prayer. Seems like the same words, doesn't it? Kind of seems like it. The word prayer is a noun. Praying, the word praying is a verb. The word prayer is a noun, a person, place, or thing. So we have two different things going on here that's kind of interesting. Uh, You know, you think of prayer when it's connected. The word prayer is a noun. It's connected as we had seen in in this time, in the Old Testament times, or even in the times uh, up in time when Paul is writing here in Ephesians, you still had the Jews, and prayer was connected to a place, a synagogue, a place that they may have set up for prayer. An altar, right? A lot of times next to a river so they could wash and be clean. But here it is, prayer is connected to a place. So the act of praying becomes connected to the place. The act of praying, you're going to have to stay with me for a while, I know. I'll get there, don't worry. Just try to keep it all in your head. The act of praying is connected to a place. Notice here the next word, supplication. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. So supplication now has to do with asking for specific things. Yeah, specific things. Webster's 1828 says, Entreaty, humble and earnest prayer and worship, petition, earnest request. So watch this now. If the act of praying is connected to the place of praying, and it is the place where you ask things, whew, where is the place for us? Where's the place? Yeah. Well, he says it right here in the Spirit. The, in the, the Spirit is the place. So watch, we are praying the act of praying, right, the act of praying, the action of praying always in a place of rest, in a fixed position, always that prayer is in the spirit. That's the place where we ask for things where we ask for things. 1 Corinthians 14, 15. What is it then? I will pray with the, in the, I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with understanding also. So first of all, praying in the Spirit has to do with a sphere. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Well, first of all, it has to do with a sphere, right? We have left the physical world. We have turned off the physical realm. And we have entered into the spiritual realm. Now, don't let this get all goofy, all right? right? We're not like, you know, into some weird, you know, fourth dimension ether out there, right? We're just, watch, watch this. We're tuning our mind off and our heart off of what's going around us. And we are putting ourselves, watch, in, in, our, in our thoughts, in our heart, in our mind, we have come before the presence of God. And you know what brings us before the presence of God is the Holy Spirit of God. And so we, we come to him, it's, it, it is in a spiritual realm. You're not asking mom or dad for something. You're not asking uh, a husband or wife for something. You're not asking the banker for something. You're going before the God of heaven. And let me say this, entering into the presence of God is far different than entering into the presence of man. It ought to be. Solomon uh, Solomon said over in Ecclesiastes, For God is in heaven and we are in earth. Boy, that's a good thing to remember. God is in heaven. He's far above us. And so watch this. This is where the idea of the place of prayer comes from, in the Spirit. This is the place so secondly, watch this. Praying in the Spirit has to do with agreement. It has to do with agreement. When we are praying in the Spirit, we are asking for things that are in, in agreement to the nature and the will of God. This is really what it means when Jesus said, you know, you'll pray in my name. I know we end many prayers In Jesus' name. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because one thing we're telling the world that's listening is that we are not coming before the Father in the name of Muhammad or in the name and the authority of Buddha or in the name and authority of Joseph Smith. We are coming to Him in the name and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think it's a wonderful thing to end our prayer in Jesus name. But the greater meaning of that phrase when Jesus said you'll ask in my name, meaning you'll ask in my authority and watch this, you'll ask according to my will, right? Jesus says, you know, if you ask anything according to my will, according to his will, he heareth you. Why did Jesus always have prayer answered? Because he was, he was always going to do the will of his Father, and what he asked was always the will of his Father. And this is the confidence we have in prayer. And if you come to the place of like, well, good grief, I mean, I've just got to ask what God wants me to ask, and then I know I have it. I mean, that just kind of seems circular. No, it just proves you have a bad heart. <laughs> because if you had a right heart, you wouldn't want anything but what God wants anyway. Amen. Thank you. Absolutely. People, you know, I, there's things I have no desire asking God for. Right. There are things I, I have zero desire asking God for some things. Why? Because I don't want them because he doesn't want me. And even there are things that my flesh wants that I know that he doesn't want. I know I'm not going to ask for them either. Right. I want to please him. And, and so it has to do with agreement. When we are praying in the spirit, we're asking for things that are in the in agree, in agreement to the nature of God and to the will of God. Right? Asking for things outside of that is not praying in the spirit. You know, you got five vehicles, Lord. I I'd really like another one. God, i to pray, you just bring it in. It's like you know, do you really need a fifth? Now, right? You're one person in your one house. You have vehicles all over the place. Say, you know. Oh boy, I better be careful here, because sometimes people keep vehicles till they die and they're just parked out in the barn. I'm not talking about that, okay? <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, let me let me say you, you're, you're going before God and you say, "Lord, uh, I, I'm 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 right in the middle of this poker game and I've just got to win this because I'm about to lose a lot of money, right? Yeah, I think that's not a good one to pray, right? Yeah, yeah, asking for things that. Foster selfishness is not praying in the spirit. How many remember the author Hans Hans Christian Andersen? Uh, He wrote that one book, uh, A Light in the Attic was one of those children's books he wrote. And in that he had the children's uh, bedtime prayer. And it w- it went, uh, if you remember, it was, uh, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if my to- and if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my toys to break so none of the other kids can have them, you know. <laughs> and I'm, but that's kind of how kids are, right? Kinda, that's a, like a really selfish prayer, right? And so, the, watch, if you prayed that way before you went to bed last night, Chris, uh, listen, that was not praying in the Spirit, okay? It was not. Asking God for things that He has already said, said no to is not praying in the Spirit, right? And so, you understand how that is. Listen to what one author said. There is an inseparable union between the Spirit, the Word, and prayer. Inseparable union. He, said, he went on to say, which indicates that the Spirit will always lead the saint to make much of the Word, the sword, and especially God's promises in the Word. This explains the fact that the great prayers have always been great students of the Word. Think about that. It naturally follows that praying in the Spirit means to pray in harmony with the will of God. Boy, I like that. So the location is in the spirit realm, and the supplications, the things that we're asking for, are those things that are in harmony with the will of God. Now look again at verse seventeen and eighteen. Take unto you the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, how do we amplify verse seventeen? Praying always with the uh, with with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. So the spirit sword is the word of God. The act of praying is tied to the individual, the spirit of of God, and the weapon we are using. Now listen, if we want to be skilled in the use of our sword, that's what we're talking about today, right? We're talking about skill And the sword, we're battling the battle against Satan. We have our armor, and now we have uh, the defensive uh, armament. Now we have the sword, which is the offensive uh, weapon. And if we want to be skilled with that weapon, we've got to be connected to the one to whom it belongs, the Spirit of God. How are we connected? By prayer. Now watch this. How long does our connection need to be? How long are we supposed to be connected to our instructor? Now, when I started piano lessons at five years old, I had to walk down the street where we lived, and there's a, I can't believe I remember the lady's name, Mrs. Silverman, Cindy Silverman. Wow, I can't believe I remember that. And uh, walk down the street, and I'd take piano lessons. I'd go plink and plink and plink and plink like that, you know. And we moved away from there, and I got another piano teacher, Mrs. Rosenthal. And uh, she was a slave driver, and uh, she would bark orders at you. for She'd stay for an hour uh, instead of 30 minutes. And uh, she would say, C, C seventh, C seventh augmented, D minor, and I'd have to play my chords. And she would just bark out orders and things like that. Boy, am I thankful today for a slave driver. Uh, And and then I went for Mrs. Rosenthal. She couldn't travel anymore. She was older. Went to Mr. Jack Hart, Mr. Hart guy. Liked him because he was easy, and uh, he wasn't a slave driver. We had fun. I didn't do as well, but he was still fun. And uh, Mr. Hart, and then I got I got to another lady at the end of my high school, um, Mrs. Travers, and she was excellent. Enjoyed her totally. Every one of these instructors had their own way, and they're all all different. You know, Mrs. Travers was such an educator. She would say, "Well, that you can play it that way. That that's that's fine." Try, go ahead, notice how it's written. Try that and see what you think, how that sounds. I go back and she goes, you like that? I go, yeah, I like that. Okay, try, try to play it that Instead of, what I would have done is like, I would have said, no, that's not how it's written. Go back and play how it's written, right? But that's why, anyway, she was good at that. And then I went there from there to college. I had a couple different professors that were piano teachers and my piano professors. And then like something happened, like I didn't have them anymore. I don't have instructors. They're done, right? I'm at the end. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere else from here. And I'm done. So my connection to an instructor lasted for a long time, but it came to an end. Notice this verse 18. We are given a glimpse to how long the connection with the Spirit of God in prayer lasts. Look at this. Watching thereunto. So watching has to do with being awake. Watching has to do with sleeplessness, with not falling asleep. So when a, a guard was put on night watch uh, in the military, men, what would happen if he ever slept? He was he was in trouble, right? You don't walk around the perimeter and then sit down and start taking a nap at the night watch, you know? You don't do that at others. Why? Because others' lives were to. We're depending upon their faithfulness to stay awake and to protect the other ones that are sleeping, right? So we're told here in verse 18 that our connection to the Spirit through prayer is to be like one on a night watch, right? What is he saying? There is never a time when our prayer life should take a nap. (laughs) Yeah. Can I remind you? Paul says that we labor in prayers, and prayer is work. It is a spiritual battle. And you have to sometimes align your life so you can pray. Don't you dare pray at night with the light off while you're going to bed. You'll wake up in the morning and remember, oh, yeah, I got about three lines. You know what I mean? Yeah, you'll fall asleep. I mean, you're out. Maybe you're not, but I would be. My goodness. So... But he says here, we, we, we should not be taking a nap. We're watching there unto. We are praying in a way as if we were on a night watch. Watch, it's urgent, it's serious, it's necessary, it's important. It's a big deal, right, not to pray. Just as it's a big deal to fall asleep while other people's lives are in your hands. So he says, watch unto, First Samuel twelve twenty three. Remember, he said, moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good in the right way. Remember, uh, Saul had uh, came to Samuel, I believe it was, and, and uh, Saul had said, the, Samuel had said the, the, the kingdom has departed. And uh, he was saying, no, bless me, please bless me, bless me. And uh, Samuel said, uh, Right. I'm not going to sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Did you notice that? Ceasing to prayer is sin. Yep. A waning prayer life is sin. Interesting. Romans 1 9, for God is my witness whom I serve in the Spirit, with whom I serve with my Spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers Acts 12 5 Peter therefore is kept in prison but prayer was made without ceasing of the church of God for him 1st Thessalonians 5 17 if you can't remember all any of those verses remember this one pray without ceasing how's that one that's an easy one you like that so prayer watching thereunto. notice secondly perseverance This is the only time that the word is used in the New Testament. Perseverance. And it's not speaking of perseverance of the saints like the Calvinists like to teach. (laughs) Webster's 1828 says this. Persistence in anything undertaken. Persistence in anything undertaken. A continued pursuit. What is he saying? Don't quit praying. Would anybody in here have to have somebody stand alongside you as a coach and say, "Oh, "Oh, don't stop breathing. Okay, come on, come on, come on, come back. Start breathing again. Go ahead, start breathing. Okay, good job, good job. A little deeper. Okay, does that feel better? Yeah, it's better. Okay, good, good. That'd be kind of funny, huh? Yeah. But that's what we do with our prayer life. The Spirit of God comes along and says, "Hey, hey, hey, don't stop praying." A little deeper now. Good, 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 good. <laughs> Get back to it there. Right? We are to continue in prayer. Yeah, It's possible to quit praying altogether. This is what Satan wants, right? Why? Because now you've lost your connection to the instructor with your sword. Now you have a sword that he's not afraid of. Because you're not going to wield it. You might pick it up and take a swing once in a while, right? But you're not going to wield it with, with, with expertise. You're not going to do that at all. Yeah. So, watch this. We're conti- we are to continue in prayer. Notice here the object of our prayer. We are to be watching with perseverance and supplication for whom? All the saints. Paul said in First Thessalonians 5, 26, I think it is, brethren, pray for us. This was a command. We're to pray for one another. We're told to bear one another's burdens. How on earth do you bear one another's burdens if you're not taking the Lord in prayer? It is a continual thing. We are to be watching in prayer for all the saints and notice, secondly, for those in the ministry. You see that? watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Look at verse 19. And for me. Why? For utterance. That utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Why do you pray for those in ministry? So they know what to say. So they have boldness in utterance. Absolutely. Somebody asked Spurgeon one time. "What Some of his. his, uh, What's the word I'm looking for. Some of the things that made him. Such a great preacher. And his simple reply was this. My people pray for me. Do you know at any given time. At every service. At the Metropolitan Tabernacle. There is over a hundred men in the basement. Praying through the whole service. That's all they did was pray through the whole service. What a powerful thing that is! Yeah. Now don't all sign up here. We wouldn't have anybody here. So he was like, "I'll go pray. <laughs> I go pray in my car. I don't know." Yeah. So I know what to say so that I can have boldness to say it. So I know. Listen, there's sometimes you can know what to say and you just don't have the boldness to say it, right, Brother Bob? Sometimes it's coming right here and you're going, "Uh uh-oh, should I say this? The Holy Spirit of God says, you better say it. (laughs) Yeah. They need prayer. I need your prayer. Absolutely. That's That's not a selfish thing. That is just a reality thing. Yeah. Absolutely. So Paul made the connection between the sword of the Spirit and prayer. The Word of God... And prayer. It's to be done with alertness. It's to be done without ending. The object of our prayer is to be the saints and the preachers, the saints and the ministers. So we have a sword, we have an instructor. Our instructor is the Holy Spirit of God. Our connection to to our instructor is through prayer. And in this passage, we see three forms of prayer, and I'm going to be done here. We see communion, we see petition. And then we see intercession. Notice what communion is, praying always. Do you realize we're not always praying just for one another or for the preacher or for things we need? Sometimes we're just talking to the Lord, enjoying the time in our fellowship with Him. Yeah, Lord, what a beautiful day today. I'm sure thankful for this. Lord, you let us live in such a beautiful place. I'm sure thankful for that. You know. I mean just talk to I mean you, you do, don't you? You just talk to the Lord sometimes. Just just jabber along. Don't you glad he never gets tired of that? You know? Yeah. Communion. Secondly, petition. Prayer and supplication. That's petition. We're asking for specific things, specific needs. And then intercession. Supplication for all the saints and the preachers. What are you doing? You are interceding when you start praying for somebody else. When you're praying for somebody else, that is intercession. I find it fascinating. You want to know the power of intercession? You want to know how powerful it is that you pray for somebody else, that you intercede for others? You want me to show it to you? The last of Job. Job has finished with his trial. God has finished instructing him and correcting him. And he came to the end and God told Job this. When you've prayed for your friends, he's already told his friends, you're going to go make a, Job is going to make a sacrifice for you, right? And you're going to, because I, I, you need to offer sacrifice because you're messed up, right? The three friends, not, not, not Eliphaz, but the first three friends. And he told Job, when you have prayed for your friends, intercession, then I'll restore unto you, right? The intercession, here's the power of intercession, God, God's restoration of Job was hanging, hinging upon Job's intercession for his friends. It's a powerful thing: intercession is to pray for others, to pray for one another. So, prayer is the training ground. Watch, watch this: prayer is the training ground that keeps us in communion with our instructor, with the Holy Spirit of God, praying in the Spirit. Praying in the spirit, and when we are in communion with our instructor, watch this: we become more skilled with our weapon, and we become more victorious over our enemy. How do we become more? How do we become more skilled with our weapon be, through prayer? Right? How does that happen? Well, how does he train us? Well, you know, over in John sixteen thirteen, it goes on to say there that the Holy Spirit of God has been given to us, watch. He said, he will guide us into all truth. Guide us into all truth. What do you mean by that? How does that, how does that mean? What does that mean? It means, listen, when you are a student of the, of the Word of God and you're in the Word of God, when temptation comes, when Satan comes, when distraction comes, you know what comes into your mind immediately from your instructor? He gives you a verse to swing at Satan with. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Absolutely. I just had one come into my mind this morning. Uh, something came into my mind and about, about a, a need coming up and in our, in our personal, a personal need coming up. And, and I was thinking about some things coming up. And, you know, the Holy Spirit put a verse in my mind. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And you know what you know what you know what happens? You wield that thing out of there, and the in the concern, and the fear, and the worry, and the thoughts. You know what happens? Satan has to walk away with them, right? So what has my instructor done? He, he's given me the sword. He knows exactly what sword to swing with, right? right? It's always the same sword. But you know what? It's the verse that makes that thing go, right? It can sit in my sheath, but it's the verse that it's coming out and swinging with, right? And whatever it is in your life. Watch, when Satan comes, if you are connected to the Word of God and you are connected to the Spirit of God in prayer, when the temptation comes, he is going to put it in your mind, a verse, and you better swing that thing. How do you swing it? Well, you take it in, you you take that verse and you rest in it, you rely upon it, you trust it, you believe it, and you walk away victorious. It's a wonderful thing. Prayer and supplication. It's connected to the sword of the Spirit. How's your prayer life? How's your Bible life? Are you memorizing it? Are you reading it every day? Are you studying it? How's your prayer life? It's a weapon. You need it. You need to be connected to that instructor so you can wield the weapon just right. Father, thank you for the, thank you for the, for the weapon. And thank you for such a great instructor that we have. Oh, help us, God, to always stay in tune with him and to stay in tune with you and be in your word. Would you help us in that? In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, yeah, therefore.